welcome to all this in the Oscars 2 awardsdaily.com's podcast on the Oscar race. My name is Sasha Stone. I am the founder and editor of awardsdaily.com and I'm here with uh, Clarence Moy and Ryan Adams, two editors um, also on the site. Hi guys. Hello. Hello there. So it's been a while since we've we've podcasted. We're we're intending to do the flashback podcast starting in the um, back in 1934, but we do have a, actually Oscar news to report. So we also want to we want to start with that. Um, so basically, now we know that the Oscars have been postponed to April 25th, which is insane. But it's not totally unprecedented for the Academy because they did have um, Oscars in late April in the past. So it's not, it's just unusual for the time frame that we live in now where everything is pushed back and everything is festival related. Now it's, it's a different thing and I'm curious to see how it plays out. But uh, the top story of the day right now, what we're going to talk about just to get it out of the way is the Ansel Elgort story, which broke on Twitter, which um, turned into kind of a, uh, a Lord of the Flies type pile on of me for, for tweeting something that um, ended up being one of those things where by the end of the day, people were, I'll read you the latest tweet, by Jennifer Bridget at HBIC Maverick. I already have a combative history with your narrow-minded Trumpian MAGA misogynist misogynistic approach towards film and especially against women color me not surprised that you would take Ansel Ed Elgort's side and pacify the assault against an underage girl so the woman came on Twitter and she wrote I was sexually assaulted by Ansel Elgort when I was 17 I think she said she was 16 and she just turned 17 they had flirted on snapchat and she posted a picture of their Snapchat together, and she posted a picture of the two of them together. And she said we were having, her details are vague, but she says, she kept saying over and over again, I was only 17, I was only 17, I was only 17. And they were having sex, and I guess she was a virgin, and she was saying it hurts, and I want to stop. And, and she says, he said, um, don't worry, I'm breaking you in. Um, I'm breaking you in. And, and she said he was you know, rough and mean, and he wouldn't stop. So she calls that sexual assault, and it might be, you know, it might be. I, I, if it is, she should contact the police, and she should have, you know, she should, you know, accuse him of it officially, and he can have um, charges brought against him, and they can bring it into court, and he can be, you know, he can be given due process, which is what every citizen in America deserves, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. So due process is important. It's one of the founding principles of this country and law and order. Um, and it obviously runs counter to um, the Twitter sort of ethos of guilty until proven innocent. But the way I got into trouble was a lot of people were calling him a pedophile. They were calling him a rapist pedophile. And I kept looking at that thinking, do I even want to say anything? No, don't say anything. People are just going to rain down shit on your head. You know how it is. You know how Twitter is. You know how they are. But I kept looking at it going, he's not a pedophile because pedophiles are people who have a um, psychological disorder where they're only attracted to prepubescent children. It's a disorder, right? Being this is shocking to people maybe, but being attracted to teenagers is not a biological disorder. It's socially unacceptable and it's illegal perhaps, but it's not a physical disorder. You call him a rapist if you want. You can, you know, charge him with rape. Uh, maybe he'll get convicted. Maybe he won't, but he's not a pedophile. 
The reason that pedophiles are called pedophiles is because child molesting is a different problem than being a rapist or an assaulter or anything else. It's a very specific mental and psychological disorder that needs treatment and requires treatment and requires you're not gonna you're not gonna send a guy who's having sex with a 17 year old into a pedophile treatment program. You're just not. Another part of it is not. I mean, you went into the psychological aspect of it <clears throat> really clearly, but another part of it that's very important is the criminality aspect. The criminality penalties and severity for pedophilia is so much more worse than an, a guy who's just turned 20 having sex with a girl who's just turned 17. Mm -hmm. yeah. In some states like California, unless there's a more than a three years difference, it's, it's, it, if it's consensual, it's, it's, that's just a misdemeanor. It's not even a felony. It's not, it's not, it, it's, it's because the age of consent, for instance, in New York is 17. If they, if they didn't, she didn't say where it happened, whether it happened in Manhattan or whether it was Los Angeles. Right. But, um, <clears throat> but the thing is, he could be in serious legal trouble and probably will be if she can, if she has more substantial, um, details and evidence. Her, her story was brief and it was, sort of vague and she skips over a, a, a big chunk of uh, between the time that she talked to him online and, and talked to him on snapchat and suddenly she's in a hotel room with him and now how did you know there's a, there's a, some that has to be explained to some extent is whether she thought she was going to have going to have a date with him and whether she thought that having a date with him was going to be all right and what and because you know even the snapchat photo that she showed of the two of them together she looks happy in that Snapchat and then yeah, in the picture the that she posted that them together. In her, now that could have been before that could have been before the incident, of course. Right. In her mind, but, I but think her <clears throat> according to her story, what, what what ideally would have happened in that situation is she was crying and saying, Stop. This is what she said she was doing. And he would stop. Well she didn't even Oh, okay. Well she I the way I read it is she didn't I don't I don't I don't think that she said she said stop. I think she said that she couldn't even find words to say anything. Oh, okay. that is the way that I remember reading it. Is she didn't say anything, but she felt like he should have known because she was crying. Well, but that's she, not. As as I, not I, yeah, and, that doesn't. That doesn't. I mean, I know. Yet, yet, yet. I, lest I bring more shit down on me, but you have to say so. You know, yes, if they want to charge him with having sex with an underage girl, okay, fine. Then charge him with statutory rape. That I, I can understand. But if you want to charge him with sexual assault, you have to say, "I said no." And he went ahead and did it. That's what the rule is, right? Consent um, is verbal yes or no. And if she didn't say no, regardless of what was in her head, then he has no idea that, that she doesn't consent to this. However, if you want to be one of those people that says if she's underage, although the age of consent is 17, I believe, where, where they were, perhaps. But if they want to say that, the age of consent and she isn't saying no, then it's not sexual assault. Sorry to have to say that to you people out there because I know you're going to hate mm -hmm. to hear that, but that's the simple truth of it. You can't, like uh, Aussie's on sorry, you can't just take a bad date and say it's sexual assault if you didn't say no, don't do that, you know, um, because men can't read your mind. They don't know what's on going on in your head. So anyway, go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry to interrupt. She may have said no, but in the story that she told today, she had it all written out in narrative form, like a little, it's about a thousand words she wrote. And it's what I remember from what I read, I think, is she said that she was speechless. She couldn't say anything. So she, she absolutely did not say that she said stop or no. 
but she I that you get you got the very strong impression that he was being she felt he was being insensitive and not paying attention to to how she was feeling and just went ahead and did what he wanted to do. But as far as her story that she told today, she did not say no. And you know, like I said, if 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 the time frame that she has outlined, she has just turned seventeen. She just had her seventeenth birthday. And Ansel himself had only been um, twenty for um, three months, and so he's, he's let. There was two. He's two years and nine months older than she is, and if 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 um, that's not that's not even statutory rape. That's not a statutory rape even in California. It, if if it it's what they call the Romeo and Juliet law or hmm. provision, like if if it, if the two people are within three years age of each other, that it's like a you know people who have sex in high school. It's not it's, unless there's a complaint that it was forced or against the the the, uh, the girl's will, then it's not it's not a you crime. You mean because he's and only that, a few years older than her? Is that why it is? Or? Yeah, he, because yeah, because he's less than three years older than her. That's oh, the I law in California. That. Is if you're less, yes, if you're less than if you if it, if he was more than three years older, then it would be a felony. But because he's less than three years older than her, it's only a misdemeanor. Because the age of consent is seventeen. Oh, <clears throat> I didn't understand. So he may not even be. He he may not even be criminally in um, that much hot water over this. Although, it's certainly going to blow up. And the reason we're bringing it up on the Oscar podcast, yes, of exactly. course, is because he is the star of uh, the remake of West Side Story. Right. And we're at this point. What's that going to do to the movie? It's a $100 million movie. It was uh, due to come out the week before Christmas, and now what's going to happen? Uh, I think it's done. I think it's over. What do you guys think? I, I guess it just depends on what happens yeah. within the next uh, within the next uh, week or so. Um, but it does seem like that probably the awards chances are done. Whether or not they even release it, like you said earlier, Sasha, they may just shelve it for a while until I don't think they're going to release when. it. Yeah, I don't think they will. Don't you, Clarence? I think it's going to be really tough. I mean, what do they do? They refilm the the movie with a different actor. I mean, no. I, I mean, Twitter already <laughs> hated him anyway. So what did they um, hate him for? I, I feel like well, they hated him for Han Solo. Um, but why? What because did he do he, on no, no, that wasn't. Never mind. That wasn't Han Solo. No, that, that was a different actor. That was um, Eldritch. Uh, uh, I can't remember his last name. Um, I don't know. I just always feel like Twitter hates him when he tried when in the clips that he was that have premiered where he was singing um it, there's been an, a huge negative reaction to that i just feel like the, the claws were already out it's kind of like uh every time you saw a cat's trailer anytime you you know people were sharpening their knives right and every time you see him singing on a clip people were sharpening their knives so i feel like right people him stepping into that role in west side story i don't know it's just and it, i think there's a large group of people who who look at his past work um and think they just they're resentful of him or somehow I, I don't know I don't understand it but they're he's certainly a little bit in the same boat I think he's a little bit has the Miles Teller a stigma with him <laughs> he just comes across as being a little bit no I mean it's just, it's bad I don't because I don't even understand why Miles Teller has a bad rep either <laughs> and let, there's a much big bunch of stuff that I'm not aware of but I think they just they just come across as being a little bit too cocky and arrogant yeah. for instance one of the things that one of the things that um, that uh, Elgord did just a couple months ago. Didn't he pose nude to raise money for Black Lives Matter or something? And that's kind of a strange thing to do. I mean, his Instagram apparently has a lot of 
you know, semi-nude photographs and stuff. And not semi-nude, that's wrong. He's, he's shirtless, which is typical for Instagram, right? But I do, I do think that he just has a sort of an aura around him that people... Um, you mean because sex, just, cause sex he, he just is comes bad? Across as cocky and arrogant, I think. Sex is wrong and bad. Pardon me? <laughs> sex is wrong and bad. <laughs> um, you know what's the uh, yeah. the unfortunate fact of this whole thing for me is that I loved Baby Driver so much, like it was one of my favorite movies, and he ended up following me on Twitter because of Baby Driver because I loved it, and so he stuck following me. So after I did this, people like checked and they're like, "Of course, Ansel Elgort follows her," and it's like. <laughs> You know, he had no, I wasn't, first of all, I just want to say for the record that my tweet that got me into so much trouble was not defending him for anything except for the false charge of pedophilia, which, folks, right. it's a false charge. It's like saying the sun came up, right? It's that true. It's not pedophilia. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's told you that <laughs> sex with a 17-year-old is pedophilia, they are lying to you and you are believing a lie. So understand that. It's true. Maybe my timing was off. Maybe I offended people. I'm sorry. You know, I just I always figure that, you know, the truth has to matter. Whether or not it offends people, it has to matter. So I didn't like seeing people calling him a pedophile rapist. I felt like it was Salem territory. I really just wanted and this, to And it was happening. I, I, I wasn't even online very much today, but I was online enough to see the just... You know, time after time, people were saying that about him, and no, I knew that wasn't doing it. The correct. They're oh, still yeah, right. doing I mean, it. No, they they shut me down. They're keep doing it. Yeah, they shut me down. They said I, mean, I, was I, don't, wrong. I don't see. I, I don't see anyone else speaking out against it and saying, mm. "Well, no, that's not no, the right they're term. Not. That's technically that's incorrect." And but I don't see anyone else doing that. But you thought because no one else wanted to wade into Absol it. Absolutely, the, no the, one else. The, the, the acceptable or appropriate reaction is to, you know, want to hug the vic the the the, the alleged victim. And or not make waves, you know, not make waves. It's like it's it's really hard to it's really hard, this culture that we live in, because um, let me just can I just read you guys something? I'm, I'm working on this new podcast, which is about I don't know if I'm going to end up posting it. I recorded my first episode today because I've been reading a couple of books on the Internet. And one is called The People Versus Tech, How the Internet is Ruining Democracy. And the other one is. 10 reasons to um, delete your uh, social media. And these are both people who worked in Silicon Valley and know the trappings of the algorithms and how they're kind of ruining our minds and, and treating us. So I've been, with that in mind, I've been trying to open a dialogue so that people can kind of stop and, and take a look at what's happening to us as a, as a culture and as a whole and how we're dehumanizing. All this stuff that happened to me today was just dehumanizing. They were... I could, they could have strung me up and, and shot me and nobody would have cared by the end of it because I had become so, it's, it's, it's like if you read enough on this, the witch trials, which I have, I, you know, not just the Salem witch trials, but in Germany and Sweden and France and, and they would, you know, hang little kids and animals and stuff and people would like cheer because they'd been so dehumanized because people thought that they were possessed by the devil or that they actually were witches. And that's similar to what's happening now is that people have license to say absolutely terrible things to me online. And to them, that's okay because they're doing it in a, they feel justified that they're defending and avenging this victim. So let me just read you this quote, if you guys don't mind, it's a little bit long. Do you want to hear it? 
Okay. It's from the People versus course, Jack, yeah. and it's it's quite. A, his name is Jamie Bartlett. It writes. <clears throat> There is another more subtle threat from Little Brother's constant surveillance and data sharing. Back in the 18th century, the philosopher Jeremy Bentham proposed a new type of prison, which he called the Panopticon. It was designed so that all the inmates could potentially be observed by a single watchman. Without any knowledge when they were being watched, the possibility alone was enough, thought Bentham, to ensure that everyone behaved. Our modern Panopticon doesn't have just one watchman. Everyone is both watching and being watched. This kind of permanent visibility and monitoring is a way to enforce conformity and docility. This kind of permanent visibility and monitoring, oops, is a way to go, sorry, is a way to enforce conformity and docility. Being always under surveillance and knowing that the things you say are collected and shared creates a soft but constant self-censorship. You don't post for fear of the angry Twitter mob, the data collectors, a, no a nosy employer, or the hordes of professional offense takers who shark around the net waiting to be upset. This is damaging to the citizens' ability to exercise moral judgment in their lives. Developing the faculties to think for oneself requires that people say controversial things, make mistakes, and learn from them. But social media creates a strange form of performative politics where we all act out certain roles and acceptable public responses. This idea is bad. That person is good, which limits the room for genuine personal growth. For example, the ability to forget is an important part of self-development because changing one's mind is how we are able to mature and grow. As an increasing number of people, both famous and not, have found to their cost, digital technology never forgets. Sometimes it has the benefit of uncovering powerful people's motives and prejudices. But then one idiotic remark made on a forum when you were young and ill-informed, when you were young and ill-informed, exists forever and can be dug up and replenished exactly as it was. More and more people will conclude it is safer just to never say anything. This is not a good environment for the development of healthy thinking adults. So I think that, you know, we're in a kind of a dangerous territory where, and that's why I posted that tweet today, because I thought everything's telling me I shouldn't do this. I know hell's going to rain down on me, but it's the truth. And I'm not going to be censored by a mob. I'm just not, you know, I'm 55 years old. This is America. We have free speech on the, so, you know, social network, Twitter, started out as an open forum. It was a place where anybody could say anything. It didn't turn into this kind of crazy structured hive mind until recently, the last couple of years under Trump, you know? So I feel like I, I think people should speak out more, not less, if, you know, they want to keep kind of a thriving, healthy uh, community. Unless you say stupid things like Ansel Elgort was enhanced on <laughs> Solo. Was he not? <laughs> Was he no, he wasn't. You know, the reason I confused that, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm detracting from your beautiful point, no, but the reason okay. I said that is because his, his Snapchat handle is on, is in solo. And for some reason, I noticed brain, that, yeah. this is how my brain works. For some reason, I translated that to, oh, he's the guy that it was in solo. No, and but no, who was solo? Who was that? No, it was, it was, uh, Eldridge, um, the guy who was supposed to be, he was right. in that Frank uh, Ford Oprah movie who was supposed to be like the next big thing. Um, it's hard and, to, it's hard to, it's easy to mix them up. They have the same kind of name, right? He's in um, Alden Endridge. And 
I can't even say it. <laughs> and right. He's the and one that's in um that is in uh uh Hail Caesar. <laughs> He's yeah. Uh, right. Yes. You know, um, so anyway, I'm sorry. I distracted from. No, that's point, okay. I, I, that's all right. I, I get you. I'm just saying that if people wonder why I did that, that's why I did it. You know, it's poking the beast, and that's what my new podcast is going to be called, "Poking the Beast," and it's about kind of this idea of of piercing the bubble of hysteria and delusion, so that we can kind of regain our sanity. I've been online most, you know, half my life since 1994, and I feel like. Uh, people like me who know a lot more than other people should really be helping to, you know, set people on a, on a better path than where we're headed. And uh, I get a lot of shit for it. Oh my God. Today I felt like, wow, this is really horrible. This is what it feels like to be canceled. <laughs> well, 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 nobody else was setting the record straight. I don't know why my voice is hoarse all of a sudden, but Aww, sorry about that. I okay. hope it's not too annoying. No. But <clears throat> the thing is, nobody else was setting the record straight today, Sasha, even on, about something as simple and straightforward as a vocabulary word that was being yeah. grossly misused and painting a, a, it was a bad situation under any circumstances. We know that. We don't know how bad it was, but it certainly wasn't as bad as, as that word makes it sound. It makes it sound like he molested someone who's younger than 13 years old. Exactly. That's not what happened. Yeah. And so it's bad enough already. So really, in a way, what you're doing is you're trying to realign the, the the conversation so that nobody is is saying something stupid that is so beyond reality that it makes them look like that they're overreacting, right? You were trying to reset and and realign the situation back to the center, and at least on and and only in terms of that one word, that was your only point. You weren't doing anything else but just clarifying what that word means and how it's being misused today. But and then, like I said, the shitstorm just rained down upon you when you did that. Yeah. But it, and it was bizarre to witness, really. It really was. But <clears throat> I mean, the one thing people should understand is that um, uh, the you know they did a study uh, at Warwick University of mass hysteria on social media, and what they found was they they studied about 154 people. And they divided them into groups. And then they, what they noticed was bad news when spread online just gets worse and worse and worse. And it becomes like a game of telephone where by the end it's completely. And it, it, they didn't do the study as opposed to good news. I would imagine it's the same. Like it, it, it rises like he's such a hero, you know, like with George Floyd or whatever, anybody. It rises in the direction of good just as it rises in the direction of bad. And if it's rising in the direction of bad... By the end of the day, if people are calling him a pedophile, that does two things, right? It, it puts a stigma on him that he may never shake. But it also mm -hmm. pretends that this word is being used correctly. And it's not, right? So people are allowing this to happen. So that means culture is going to decide that, yes, anybody under age 18 is a victim of, of pedophilia. And that's just absurd. Right. Come on. I mean, we've all been 17. We've all been 16, you know, 15, 14, 13. You're getting into that territory. But 17, you're mm -hmm. almost 18. No, that's not pedophilia. She's, you know, um, and I'm just I'm sorry. Another thing, not... too, this is a, this is probably irrelevant, but I, I, I was a little bit surprised and interested to find out. But I, he has a, a long-term girlfriend who he's dated since and since 2012. They met in high school together. They went to the same high school. She's two years younger than him. So when they started dating, she was like, I think, like 16 and he was 18. And <clears throat> so he, that, that nobody raised any questions about that. It's the same age 
difference between him and his current girlfriend as 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 the age difference between him and this girl who who wrote about her incident that the incident that happened to her today and it just seems to me that well i don't know i'm not again it's, i don't want to sound like i'm trying to make an excuse like he's he's used to dating girls two years younger than him because but when he did it in high school it was fine and and the different the difference is now that this girl the, the girl who spoke out today said that it that it was against her will and he should have known that although she and even in the story that she told she never told him no i i found the she blocked me on twitter today for no i don't even know why because i had not said anything about her not interacted with her and i had not retweeted her but i guess she saw them associated with the site and she blocked me because she saw worth daily in my in my profile but she said um <clears throat> so when it happened instead of asking me if i wanted to stop knowing that it was my first time and i was sobbing i didn't want to do it the only words that came out of his mouth where we need to break you in. She didn't say any words came out of her mouth at all. She said I disassociated. She said she says I disassociated myself and just felt like my mind was gone and I was in shock. And so she didn't say anything at all. She just she she kind of went into his own and and, and let it happen or allowed it to happen. And um, then, but she she does repeat over and over that I was only 17. I was only 17. Like you said, Sasha, she says that five or six times. And then she also says he was in his 20s. He was in his 20s as if he could be 27 or 28. But in fact, he had only just turned 20. Right. He had he only was, just yeah. had his 20th birthday himself. And so it is true he was in his 20s. But the way she characterizes yes, it, exactly. she makes it sound like he's much older than, than she was. And the information flying so, around Twitter also said that. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really mm -hmm. fast and crazy. And mm -hmm. nobody was stopping to think mm -hmm. about it. And not only were they not stopping to think about it, but for the first time, I think, in human history, modern human history in my lifetime, it didn't matter. If they were getting the facts wrong, nobody cared. The hysteria was acceptable, allowed, and encouraged by everybody on Twitter. Either they were too afraid to say something, which I understand, I'm not going to judge, um, or they really believe that this is how it should go in, in a case of kind of sexual assault accusations. Let's move on to the Oscars, you guys. What do you think about, so what West Side Story, it's done, right? Forget it, it's out. It's never coming back. Oh, I, I don't see. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a Disney movie now too. Disney, right? Movie. Yeah. See that that's what I just it's it's hundred million dollar movie. I just can't see that they're not going to release it. But I do yeah. think that that nobody is going to want to see it winning Oscars next April. I don't think that this is gonna. I don't think that's a good. I don't. No, none of the voters are going to think that's a good look. And so that's not going to happen, wonder. no matter how good it is. I wonder if they just recast it. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. they, they I mean, they could. I mean, it's it's six months out. Sure. They could refilm some scenes. I mean, it would cost extra money. But if if this blows up, nobody's going to want to see it. People are going to boycott. Yes, so but wouldn't they They're just have to almost like today? How it's 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 such a major role though. He's like the he's That's like the terrible. lead male character, right? They yes. would have to like totally reshoot the entire thing, oh start God. over again. <laughs> I mean, I can't see how they could just. Because he's bound to be in a substantial number of scenes and with a lot of screen time. Oh, well, you know, they I don't know. Do I mean, they, they could. Yeah, yeah. They could do what they should have done <laughs> to begin with, which is hire a, a Broadway actor who has done yeah. musicals like this before, who could pick mm -hmm. up this part in a week and be done with it and, you know, not have to learn singing, dancing, all that stuff. You oh, know, God, I don't know. I feel like it's. Before. Don't you well, feel like it's tainted? That's part of the reason why. No matter what, it's tainted. 
Yeah, it is tainted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, that's enough. That's part of the reason why people had a grudge against him anyway in this movie, and why they're happy to see it be a disaster because they he's not he's he wasn't the first, he wasn't the choice a lot of people wanted. I, they named people on Twitter today that I don't even know, but they had other people in mind who yeah. they their ideal cast, and he was not. They were surprised that he got the role, right? And like, so that's another like reason why they're happy to see who would him be another one that ruined today. <clears throat> Do you know who would Pardon be me? another one that would be uh, I, someone less milky toast? If, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's someone who whose name I didn't recognize, and it's like I I think like Clarence said he's a he's a, he's a Broadway person instead of a movie person. I can't think of the name. I can probably find it, but it's uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I, it's a shame because uh, we know the pedigree of this movie is Spielberg, and and didn't Tony Kushner did, uh, uh, write the uh, another a- adaptation? He's he's the screenwriter, so these are I big mean, names, right? I mean, what's uh, Christopher Plummer doing? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody mentioned that. They also mentioned Chris, Christopher Plummer's uh, son, who I didn't know who he was or what he looked like. But talk about milk toast, he would be even more wrong. I mean, I didn't even I didn't know what what he what he had done or what he looked like or anything. So I googled, googled him real fast, but he'd be totally wrong for this role. But that was another joke <laughs> going around today Plummer. that getting, you know, find Christopher, Christopher Plummer's son could jump in and fill out. So um, we should talk about the Oscars because we were going to do our thing where we were going to start our thing, but we just we didn't get around to it. <laughs> we were going to start our yeah, thing. But the thing, the thing we, it happened one night, guys. It happened one night. <laughs> it happened one it night, happened which one night. is a wonderful movie. It happened all night. It happened all night. That's another movie altogether. <laughs> it happened all night. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, naughty, uh, naughty. That's, that's another topic. Maybe we've, we've already covered that. <laughs> the... Um, but I, do you do you Sasha, do you have any idea when was the last time that we did like the 1933 episode? It's been a year ago, hasn't it? it hasn't been like yeah. two years. It's been longer than that. It's been since you. I think you did it with Craig, and that was he yeah. hasn't been around four years, maybe three or four years. Has, has there been? We've been on on hiatus from the uh, Oscar History Podcast for like four years. <laughs> so, but we're not gonna. We're not going to do that tonight, right? I mean, no, it's, we're it's, not. It's, which is no, better because okay. I haven't, I haven't yeah, studied. It would be unfair because it, it, it's a, it's a lot to talk about, yeah. and we've already nobody is going to. This podcast is already four hours long. Just talking yes, about. Yes, I know. I, but I will say this: for next time we do, and we're going to try to get this going now that we've wet our whistle. Um, the mm. uh, <clears throat> it happened one night is really good. Even my daughter, who I can't get to watch any movies with me, she, I, she watched that with me, and she was like, wow, that was such a good movie. She was completely enchanted by It Happened One Night. So I, I, I need recommend to rewatch it, because yeah. I, like, I actually like The Thin Man better. Oh, yeah. I love The Thin Man, and The Thin Man, boy, the, the screenplay and the chemistry between those two, yeah. I just love it. And and it's so witty, and they are so... I, just, I love that sort of sophisticated, wry, dry sense of humor, that is to me much. That's more my style of movie than than it happened in one night. Yeah. But I, but you can't deny that it happened one night. It's just magic. It's, it's one so of those things good. where you just catch magic in a bottle and it's all everything comes together and it's just perfect. I just, and I can't wait to talk about it. But we won't tonight. She we, is we're not gonna Claudette be doing Colbert right? is so delicious in that part. She's just so beautiful and and her outfits, everything about her, Emma loved. You know, and uh, 
I love too. And but I also like I'm totally become one of those sad old ladies that's like, God, Clark Gable, he was so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I've totally become that. I'm like, oh, Clark Gable. I'm like, who says that except like <laughs> old people? But he really was quite something, that Clark Gable. Uh, in this and in Gone with the Wind is just like, you know, you, you, you want to talk about Gone with the Wind, you got to bring up Clark Gable. <laughs> you can't talk about that part without saying it's Clark Gable that ride that carries her up those stairs. But anyway, so oh watch... My God, my I did, I'll just say one thing about yeah. it, just as, a, as, as, a, as, a, as an appetizer for next week when we do get around to talking about it happened one night. I had a quote ready to read from Pauline Kale about it happened one night. She said, it's one of those rare movies that may, has the ability to make audiences happy in a way that only a few films in each era can ever do. It was the Annie Hall mm -hmm. of its day yeah. before the invention of anxiety. Oh, Annie great. Hall before the invention of anxiety. And it's so true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things where it just... The the you just you just love seeing these two people together, and you know the, and that's it. The you know what? That's it. That a, a great romantic comedy is that is uh, trying to explain that to Emma because she's uh, showing her all the romantic comedies. I'm like, romantic comedy doesn't work unless you're dying for these two people to get together, and that's what right. had happened. Mm -hmm. Wait, Clarence, I interrupted you. What were you saying about your mom? You said she loved. Her. I was going to say two things about my mom. Number one, <laughs> she loved. Clark Gable and Gone with the Wind so much that she was like obsessed with that staircase he takes her up. <laughs> like, and then, um, but she also, um, she also had a massive, I remember, um, oh God, Mark Harmon, the actor, television actor, who did um, start in the movie The Deliberate Stranger, which was actually about Ted Bundy. And oh, yeah. she was like, that's a good movie. That Mark, that Mark Harmon sure is good looking in that movie. I remember her saying that. And I'm like, oh, oh. It's Ted Bundy. As Ted Bundy, he's good looking. <laughs> That's right. Ted Bundy himself was good looking. That was good casting. That was a good movie. That was a good version of that story. Oh, that worked. Boy. You could really understand how he was able to charm those women. Oh. And it's, it's sad. It's so tragic and sad and sick. But, oh, I mean, no. you uh, if it wasn't someone cast like Mark Harmon, you wouldn't understand how it could even yeah. have ever happened. <laughs> No, it's because Ted Bundy. Well, that's why. That's that's how he got in. I mean, he was yeah, good looking. Yeah. He was charismatic. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So, Sorry. Um, I I just want to say that like the Oscar season is the weirdest I've ever seen it in my life. So I don't know how it's going to go. Normally we start preparing with Ken. We have Tony who usually does Ken, and it's been canceled. Canceled. So he's not doing it. <laughs> Sorry. And we, we, we emailed Tony today and I asked him about Venice and he's not even sure Venice is going to happen. Even though Venice has announced that they're going to proceed, Tony has not made his uh, travel arrangements or hotel reservations yet because he's he's not sure he wants to get roped into something yeah. that's going to be canceled at the last minute. And well, so we don't even know about Venice. And Sasha, mm -hmm. you don't know about Telluride yet? No, we, we thought Telluride was a go, but today... COVID cases are 31,000 and, and they've been ticking across at 20,000 every day because I check the chart every day and they've been about, I mean, yes, the death rate is, the death rate is definitely going down. It was, it was 13, then it went down to, to 12 and now I think it's at nine or something like it's, it's definitely going down. They flattened the curve. So the deaths are fewer, but the cases are rising, which is shocking. Um, in LA, there's like 3,000 and Texas, there's 4,000. Um, so if if Telluride's in two months, I don't see how they're going to be able to say, yeah, great, bring all these people into our town from all yeah. I just can't imagine that they're going to do that. Well, who's going to take their films there if their audience is uncertain? Like if the buzz won't, yeah. 
if they're not able to build a buzz there because half of the audience exactly. isn't there, then, you know, why would you put your talent through that? Exactly. And, and not, that. not to mention the fact that it's how many months until Oscar season from that? September, oh, yeah. October, November, oh, December, January, February, Can you March. imagine this this Oscar uh, season? Can you imagine? I mean, all, all, all the I way cannot, I can't. And, you know, do we uh, want to touch on that just a little bit, the, the uh, rules that were announced in the yes, new schedule please, and the new rules for, for eligibility and things like that? Yeah. Do you remember them? Do you want to talk about it? Uh, I don't. I can call it up on the site real quick. No, I, can, I, I think I, I can give you a good... You, you, uh, okay, so what we know is, listen, listen to us. We totally buried the lead. Ten nominees. Ten nominees for mm -hmm. Best Picture. Um, I think that starts next year, right? Not this year? Correct. Um, not this year. Yeah, it's not this year. But basically, something, I hate it when I'm certain of something and I write about it for years and years and years and years and then I find out that I was wrong about it. But, um, but basically, I've been telling people all this time, sadly and unprofessionally and incorrectly, that voters have had since 2011, uh, 2009, 2010, they had 10 nomination slots and 10 nominees. This is after 2008's Dark Knight didn't get nominated and there was such a public outcry that the Academy expanded the Best Picture ballot, right? So some mm -hmm. people like it, some people don't. It means that you find Best Picture winner on the preferential ballot, not the, you know, majority rules ballot, right? So, um so in 2011, I have been telling people all this time that they pick five nominees, which they all pick five, and then they get an expanded number of nominees from that list. But it's basically you pick five, and, and basically voters pick the same five. But I thought you could only pick five. But what I came to find after reading the rules, voters were actually allowed to pick between five and ten. Right. So they oh, could have picked okay. 10. Yeah, yeah that's just... something that I didn't know because I believed what you were telling us all exactly. these years. So but that, it made sense. But but it also, I always wondered about that. I thought, why not leave the ballot yeah, like it was no, and did. leave the 10 slots and just give people the option? Like, you don't, you're not obligated to, to name 10 films if you're... If you if you don't go to the movies right. enough to see ten films, it's so embarrassing no, that you that an Academy member doesn't can't see ten films exactly. a year that they like. I but, think that's a sad commentary. Now I understand but, um, why they they didn't change it, and and now I get it. Like, and now I feel like an idiot because they could have picked ten if they wanted to, but they picked five. So now basically they're forcing them to pick ten because it did change things dramatically. Because I don't think most people did pick ten. I think most people stuck with five because they're lazy and. Most people don't watch all the movies. It's it's. I can tell you from someone who gets the some of the screeners, it's hard to keep up with and have the energy to watch all the Oscar movies. I know it seems crazy because a lot of people want to watch them, but the amount of movies that you get, it's hard. So you just basically focus on a small number of films you think are in the race. That's sort of how it goes. But I can tell that they only pick five because um, in 2000. Um, nine in 2010, there was animated movies picked. There was Toy Story 3 and, and Up, and there were films by women. And once they changed to five, it that changed. There was no more ever any animated films that got in, and very few films directed by women. So I really do think that mm -hmm. people, even though they, they could have picked mm -hmm. ten, they stuck with five. I think a lot of people did stick with five because, like you said, they're lazy, and it meant not not enough people filled out their entire ballot in order to push some of those um, more interesting movies. To me, they're more interesting. 
um, into the into the winners into the nominee circle, and that's why we would end up with empty slots sometimes. So many that was so right. frustrating when they would have like only seven or eight nominees because most of the people for me and for a lot of the readers on the site, I know that there's, we have Bryce and we have Phantom who make their year in best list and they have 25, 30, 40 movies that they love. And they're, and they, when they name them and list them, it's like, wow, those are all excellent movies. And so I, I've always thought that it's just almost embarrassing that a, and the person who's an Academy member cannot see, cannot think of 10 movies that they saw all year long that they like. It's almost, it's a sad commentary on the industry that they're supposed to be praising that they can't look around and find 10 movies. I just, it's, uh, it's shameful I, I really. Agree, but and like, and like you said, it, I think it's just laziness and it's also lack of time. And a lot of people, you know, some, a lot of the Academy members have um, really active careers. And so even for us, it's hard to watch 40 or 50 screeners. Yeah. The people know? that I know yeah. who are in the Academy and I don't know very many of them, but the ones that I do know, they don't watch the movies. They just don't. I asked them, have you seen this? Yeah. Nope, haven't seen it. They only, and I'm sorry to have to say this, people, I'm really sorry, but they only watch what they have to watch, except for the odd person like Bruce, um, what's our friend, Bruce Felt, Feldman is his name? Bruce Feldman, Bruce yeah. Feldman. Uh-huh. he's the kind of guy that watches everything. You know what I mean? He's that mm-hmm. guy. And some of them are, but most of them, most of them aren't. Um, will, they'll only watch what they really have to watch, which is why bloggers and critics help them narrow the field so that they can pick uh, And Bruce, which is, Bruce is in the PR branch. He's and, a, he is a PR yeah. guy. So he's he's accustomed to watching everything because he's got to know how to publicize in his, his yeah. career up until now. That's what he's, that's his job. Yeah, and some Academy members Bruce, I know are really into it. Like they're, they're really mm-hmm. into it and they'll go to every screening and they'll watch every movie and they're really passionately involved in choosing their, their nominees. But the majority of them are, you know, give me something with Jennifer Lawrence, I'll watch it. You know, give me something that Martin Scorsese yeah. directed, I'll watch it. You know, but for the most part, they're not going to sit down and watch something that they think is agonizing. It was, I think, one of the reasons after all the dust has settled that Parasite wasn't winning awards is because people didn't watch it. And I think that once they started watching it, that's why it ended up winning at the end. I think that they that they mm. were putting it off because it was a foreign film, and I think they just you know, are conditioned not to watch um, a film like that. But but so it's hard to get them to watch, and that's why they tend to watch movies with big stars in it or anything that's won an award or anything that has buzz. And it's a publicist's job to get them in front of the movies to watch them. But, you know, publicists, they only focus on their movies. So it's a small group of films that, that can break through um, the bubble and win a consensus. So this year we're flying blind, right? We don't know what's going to happen with the festivals. We don't know what's going to happen with the movie theaters. We don't know which movies are going to be released. So it's actually a pretty good year to not have to do the 10 because I don't know that they would even have 10 that they could choose this year. I don't even know how it's going to work. It's like it only looks like to me so far like Netflix has movies. (laughs) Now that West Side Story's been knocked out, that leaves Well, that's it. For to. Go back to Oscar history detail for just a moment. That's one of the reasons why they cut back to only five nominees in the, in the early 1940s right. is because there was a war going on and the output right. in Hollywood just didn't warrant 10 nominees anymore. They had been all through the 30s. They've been nominating eight, nine, 10, even as many as 12 nominees for Best Picture. But when the war got started, the output um, shrank. And, you know, even a lot of the male stars were off off doing 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 service during the war and so i think that they realized that in order to 
that if they were going to have 10 nominees in 1944, there were going to be a lot of kind of weak movies. And they didn't want that. They didn't want any weak movies. And so this, like you said, Sasha, this might be one of those years when we don't know how slim the pickings are going to be this year. We right don't now, we, what we could name we can name three or four movies that we think should 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 we can expect to be nominated. Well, I would um, have put West Side Story at the top of that list. Honestly, I, it was one yeah, of the ones that right. I thought was going to be a sure bet. So, uh, I think that it's uh, I, really go ahead, Clarence. Sorry, I was I was going to say I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on Tenant. Tenant, um, yeah. What uh-huh. what's happening? Christopher with Nolan. That? I, I keep well, it keeps that. getting pushed back, and I think it wants to be that first movie out of the gate, but I think it's such a risky position to be in because who knows? Like, that's a what $200 million movie, and you're going to release it in a, in a time of the country where people don't want to go to the theaters. People mm-hmm. aren't – they don't feel safe. AMC is telling people you don't have to wear masks. Of course, they backed out of that, I think, today or, or late yesterday. But yeah. people – you know, even though the theaters are open, people aren't willing to go. The majority of the public, I don't think the some of the last polls I've seen, they don't want to go to the movie theaters until they feel safe. And so theaters, um, studios aren't going to release their product until people, they feel like they're going to make money from theaters. And Tenant is in a horrible position because Christopher Nolan is saying you have to see it in theaters. You can't see it on streaming because yeah. he hates streaming. Right. But if they release well, it in July, half the uh, theaters in the country aren't going to be open and they're going to lose money right out of the gate. And it's right. going to get this stench on it. It's true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- we know the the canvas that Nolan works on and it's broad and vast. And, yeah, and we I, I would not I would not want to watch it on the on a, even a 16 inch screen at home. I would want to yeah. see it in a theater. The same with Dune. Dune, I feel the same way about. We know there's going to be a visually extravagant, lavish movie, and I want to see that in a big screen. But that's another movie that might be hurt by by the theater situation. There are others even, that that, that even, will play well on TV. Yeah, go ahead for sure. And 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 even um, the other movie that's coming out in uh, just in um, July, and I don't think this is a an Oscar play yet, but I think the initial reaction when it premiered before the coronavirus hit was um, Mulan. You know, Disney oh, yeah, right. supposedly yeah. you know, it's got a lot of controversy around the star who said the things about the the cops in Hong Kong or whatever. But um, there's another, you know, another potential contender that has a lot of problems about finance and, and uh, profitability. Mm-hmm. Well, two movies that we know that uh, we're all three really excited about. And one is already it um, premiered last week was um, the, the Five Bloods. That's right, going to be Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that we expect that to probably be nominated in multiple categories and best picture among them. And and everyone is talking already that Delroy Lindo is uh, probably the front runner for best actor right now. And of course, then there's uh, Fincher's Mank that is that is um, a Netflix, another Netflix film that uh, that we that we know Netflix think is going to play well on TV or they wouldn't be behind it. They wouldn't be behind it. So it looks like a weird year if we take out West Side Story. Then we've got Mank, right? We've got um, uh-huh. we've got Mank that's coming out. The David Fincher, highly anticipated David Fincher film, and then we've got we were just talking about Aaron Sorkin, um, the Return of the Chicago Seven. Does anybody know what that's about? I, what what the plot uh, is? The Chicago Seven were like they were like um, 
they were like some sort of like uh, anarchists. It was a, uh, it's the trial of anarchists. Or weren't they weren't they bl- uh, related to Black Panther or something? Yes. Yeah, so it's the uh, a group of seven defendants charged by the federal government with conspiracy, inciting to riot, and other charges related to anti-Vietnam War and countercultural protests that took mm-hmm. place in Chicago, Illinois, on the occasion of the 1968 Democratic National Convention. That could not be better placed than right. yeah today. Yeah, I mean, right. it is. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, it is the movie of the moment. That's very timely. Yes, I, I would argue that we're in a more of a 1972 scenario, but um, but I mm-hmm. think that 1968 is also close. So the difference between 1968 and 1972 is that sorry to ch- chunder on and on, but um, the 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 riots in 68 were really kind of centered in the black communities, and they were. Um, they were more um, kind of, you know, focused on the black communities and the uprisings in those communities. And they weren't really shared by, as far as I can recall, by as many white people as we saw in the anti-Vietnam uh, protests in 1972, 1970, 1971, 1972, the anti-war protests were much more of a kind of a universal country protests that went everywhere on college campuses, kind of like the Black Lives Matter protests now, mm-hmm. which are everywhere. So it's kind of a mixture of 68 and 72, really. But um, but we didn't see in 68 the same kind of mobilized protests that we saw in, in uh, 72 or now. Well, mm-hmm. this has got um, mm-hmm. Sasha and Cohen playing Abby Hoffman. That's, mm-hmm. There's got to be something mm-hmm. there. Yep. Right. And Eddie, Eddie Redmayne plays Tom yeah. Hayden. Um, God, uh, he got an upgrade. Bobby, 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 Bobby Seal is a what? So, sorry, I said he got an upgrade. Tom Hayden was never as good looking as. Oh right, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, other other of the defendants were um, Bobby Seal and Jerry Rubin. I mean, these are well known names, mm-hmm. if not not famously well known, but I mean they they ring a bell, right? We we know a little. Bit, I mean, I don't know enough about the story so that I know what the outcome is even or anything like that. So I'm looking forward to it. And like we said, it's Sorkin writing and Sorkin directing. And well, so that's it would good. have, it would have to be terrible not to get a SAG nomination because of this cast. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. just looking at these are, I mean, it, it's a very male cast though. I don't think right. there's a single woman in it. <laughs> well, don't forget wow. Bobby. Lest we forget Bobby. Oh yeah. True. So there's always a chance that like on paper, it looks one way and then, but um, but you never know. Maybe it'll be good. We should we should keep our mind. You know, Oscar is so funny because it's never the movie that's like good on the page. It's always some little underdog that flies in that nobody's thinking about that ends up winning. So but I don't know, because everything's been screwed up. I don't know how this year is going to go. I mean, I almost think they should just cancel the Oscars for a year, you know, <laughs> but um, they're not going to do that. So well, what about Defy Bloods? I mean, where, where do we stand Bloods. with that? What did you think of that, you guys? Both of you, you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I've seen Clarence, it. you wrote the review of it, right? You wrote the review. Mm-hmm. I did. Didn't you write? Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and I didn't see it until the day until the day after I read the review. But I'm really impressed by it. I think it's one of Spike's um, best, one of his best movies. I, you know, in his top three or four movies. Um, I, I wonder if it will not seem to uh, some viewers like it's a little bit episodic and um, other people have mentioned it didn't bother me, but a lot of other people have mentioned that it jumps around as far as tonally it, the, the tone 
but depending on what sort of scene is being depicted, the tone is jarring sometimes. Some of the transitions between mm. um, yeah. different attitudes that it has about what's happening. And I wasn't expecting, for instance, I wasn't expecting it to be so graphically violent the way that it was because I've never seen anything. I've never seen Spike do anything like that before. But so that was. So there were some things that I think some people may have a little bit of trouble with, but um, I think it's one of the by far the best movie I've seen all all year so far. I haven't seen much. The other only movie that I've seen that that is uh, I, that even comes close was Invisible Man. Right. But that's because we haven't seen much this year. There hasn't been much to see. Yeah, so, I, I like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm done. Yeah. I was just gonna say I I really like the Five Bloods. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's it's I like movies that make big swings that uh, are are big epics, and I don't think we see a lot of that right now. And I understand people say it's messy, and I get that. I don't I don't think it's a precise or pristine or perfect film, um, but I appreciate the emotion and the thought and the the sentiment behind it. I think it gets it gets a lot better as it goes along. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of meanders a little bit in the beginning. Um, but to me, the ending sells it tremendously. Mm-hmm. Well, I like about it too is it got a lot to say. It's got a lot to say about a lot of different things. It's it's almost like an educational um, tour of of the era, and for people who were not that familiar with what was going on back then, it 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 touches on a lot of things that that everyone ought to know. And in, in, in that regard, it, it's just it's um, it's deep. It has a lot of there's a lot of profound stuff going on in that movie. I agree you with that. that. I think it's deep. Yeah. And I, I also agree that the ending sells it. I don't think without that, I felt like when it, when it was in the jungle and it was those guys, that's when it was the movie. I thought it, it really wanted to be and needed to be. And mm. if, if they had edited it a little bit more and made it more of that, I think you would be looking at a stronger contender. I also think it's too early and I think it won't last because it's too early and it won't make it all the way to the end of the year, especially if we're talking April. But um, but I right. think that uh, it's very impressive, and it is what what you're saying, Clarence. It's one of those big epic swings. It's like it reminded me of a French movie. Of the French uh, films, they tell these big long stories, and they like to keep their audience there um, for a while. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. over two hours, just kind of telling. Bollywood stories are like that too, where they just kind of want to tell this long story that that they take its time and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think if you can hold your viewers um and and you can keep them interested in the story which i think this one does because of the actors um i think it's a success but i i uh, i would only caution that i think it's too in terms of oscar i think it won't make it because it's always hard anyway even if it had just been a regular year this is too early mm. so adding those extra months there's no way it's going to make it all the way to the end and that as far as the scope, I mean, I like, I thought it was, I really enjoyed that it called out to Apocalypse Now like two dozen yes. times in two different, two dozen different ways. And it was like, a, almost like a jazz riff on, on Apocalypse yeah. Now or a Motown riff on, on Apocalypse Now intentionally, deliberately and blatantly in a way that was, that, that was almost like Spike saying, yeah, that's, 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 your, that's, that's the white guy's story. Now let me tell you the black guy's story about Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I think its strongest play is going to be Don Orlando. Like, I, I just, yeah. I don't know how you look at that performance and think that's not good right. or that's not worthy. I mean, it's, he's oh, just, no. it, it's the top on a very strong career and it, it's, uh, he's well overdue for some kind of recognition. I, I think he's fantastic in it. And especially those sequences at the end, you know, they're just 
so painful to watch. Mm. Don't you think he could so. be supporting, though? Well, that's what they're talking about, that they're, they're mm -hmm. going to run everybody as supporting. But he, he has so much more screen time than all the others. It just doesn't seem fair to him that they would do that. But they you never know what they're I think they're going to run him supporting um, for sure, because yeah. I don't think it's going to. First of all, I don't think it's going to last. And I think if they want right. to give him a, a nomination, right. that's going to be the one. He does stand out. He's exceptional in the part. There's no question yeah. about it. And I should put him on our contender tracker. I just didn't know which category to put him in. But I'll probably put the movie in all anyway in every category, like writer, director, acting, um, just because there's nothing else and it, it made an impact, so why not? But um, but my instincts are telling me that, that everything that comes out right now is too early. Anyway, it usually it does, you know, like Cannes Film Festival, I guess it would have already passed, but, you know, throughout the time that I've been doing this, with Parasite being the exception... And a few other movies, The Artist, No Country for Old Men. In general, Cannes is still too early for for the Academy. But um, So this movie would have gone to Cannes, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think it would have gone and he would have had a much splashier premiere. Um, is it better than Black Klansman is the question you have to ask. Because if it's not better, then it won't get in. If it is better, then it'll get it'll have a strong chance of picture and director. I can't I imagine. Love Black, I love Black Klansman, but I do think that this movie is better because for me, it is so, at, uh, as much as I like Black Klansman, it was very traditional. A very tradition. It was told in a very traditional way. This this movie, Spike pulls out all the stops um, stylistically, that I and I really like to see him do that. Yeah. And for me, it's like a much more um, tour de force sort of sort mm -hmm. of. Uh, I can see that, but I, I also can see that, like you were saying, episodic. I can see that because it's Netflix, people will make the assumption that it's like a TV thing and not a cinema thing. I could see that happening, too. Um, I almost wish that it had been like a six-hour miniseries instead of a movie. Yeah. It almost feels like there's so much going on that I wish it had more room to sprawl, to sprawl yeah. out, so that, so that the episodes didn't seem so abrupt at, at times. I really love that. But anyway, so, so, yeah. Yeah. so we love it. We love uh, The Five Blood. And so another movie that I am that I really, I don't know what's going to happen with the theatrical um, release and everything, but it is Dune. And I thought that that would stand a good chance this year. But who knows what's going to happen with Dune. And yeah, so when's that? Do they have any report on when it's going to be released and how it's going to be released or anything? Uh, not that I know of. Um, it's the fall, is all I've heard. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people are already ridiculing it um, because of those pictures of uh, Timothy Chalamet <laughs> looking pensive. and. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's December 18th. He's like a walking meme. <laughs> he is. Uh, <laughs> was it December 18th? 18th. That, that's, yeah. that's when, uh, that's when uh, West Side Story was going to open, too, on the 18th. Both those movies were were originally planned to open the same weekend. Well, all I that can was, tell you is that if West Side Story is in there, can you imagine Twitter on that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So forget it. I mean, it's just they're not going to go in for that headache. What happened with Christopher Plummer? Who did he end up replacing? Oh, was it Kevin Spacey? Kevin Spacey in that movie about um, the Hearst. <laughs> was it Hearst? Yeah, All the Money in the World. <laughs> and he or... came in and he acted the parts. He got an Oscar nomination. Oh God! Did anybody ever see the Kevin Spacey parts that he was doing? 
I don't know if anybody ever saw uh, his, his. No, I don't know if we. I don't know that I ever released any of that. It wasn't God. Hearst, was it? It was another. It was another billionaire. Getty. What was the other one? J.P. Morgan. Getty. 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 Getty yeah. yeah. Getty. So, but you don't. I guess we just don't know what's going to happen with with Ansel Elgort and, and West Side Story. God, I bet he's great in it. I bet he's great in it. Oh, I'm looking at this. I, I had not seen the stills from Dune yet, but you know that's the way that you know you, if you you can't you can't not show what was in the book, and the book describes that they've got the the hose connected to the nostrils, and that's that looks unusual to see someone with a serious look on their face when they've got hoses going up their nostrils, mm-hmm. right? Is that, the, yeah. that the, yeah? So, he but just, I mean that he's on a ventilator. He's got COVID nineteen. <laughs> No, really. It's like, it's like the worst mask ever. It's like the most ineffective mask you could wear. It's like the no, the nostril hose. Have, have either of you seen um, Shirley yet? I haven't, but yet. she wrote that great book, Story, The Lottery, and so I'm into it, you know? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I've seen it twice now. Um, and uh, Good, bad, ugly. No, it's good. It's good. It's 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 a, it's a different kind of biography that that it doesn't take. It's not literal and it's not incredibly factual. It kind of takes a lot of. It, it's one of those biographies that's sort of thematic in telling her story and because um, it, it it takes place at a point in her life where she's I think she's writing a book in the movie that that actually was published a decade before the events of the film take place. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's an Elizabeth Moss show. Right. And, um, you know, Indie Spirit nomination, of course, she's she's tremendous in it. I just, you, you know, she gives these performances that are just so eccentric almost. I mean, mm-hmm. she just throws herself into such different roles. And I applaud that. But I just it's not it's it's like the Jennifer Jason Lee of 2020. Yeah. You know, it's she just won't get broad acclaim that way. Right, from the academy. for sure, no. And and also she's got The Invisible Man, so those are two really good. I mean, I haven't really dug into the nomin- you know, the potential nominees, but I think we have to, considering the rules of the academy, we have to really look at not just Spike Lee, but we have to look at, you know, are there any women directors with movies that are coming out? And, you know, what are the other films with casts that have people of color and... All that stuff is going to have to be looked at, but I haven't even, I have no idea what movies are even, everything that I've seen is like white guy movie. <laughs> so, mm. you know, it's like white director, white mm. actor, white, white stars. Um, so, you know, and I, I've been on the lookout. I'm like, okay, so where's the, you know, I hate it when I see the Oscar race and I go, okay, can't be all white people. This is going to be a shit storm, you know? Um, well, another movie. Um, there's that um, other adaptation of the Broadway show In the Heights. That's a very diverse cast. That got bombed. They uh, pushed that. They dumped that until 2021. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind then. So, um, the is it Aretha? Is it the Aretha Franklin biopic that's directed by a woman? I think it's uh, it's listed on a on a website with upcoming women directed studio films, and I think this is it. It's called Respect. Right. 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 Um, right. That comes out around Christmas uh, if they keep the um, release strategy. So that's and that's, that's something Jennifer, that will be Jennifer uh, Hudson, right? That's, yeah, exactly. That's Aretha Franklin, yeah. So that's a that's a good one uh, to keep an eye on. Um, I'm just looking through this list. A lot of these things. So many of these things are TVDs. Right. 
TBDs because nobody knows. So we're in this weird limbo. Like this is the weirdest Oscar year. In a way, it's kind of exciting that it's so weird, but in another way, um, I you know this lockdown is a drag. Like even for a shut-in like me, it's a drag. Mm. So I don't know what we do in this situation where it's just like COVID is everywhere. Sooner or later, everybody's gonna have to get it, you know, and survive it or not. Herd immunity. Um, because when are they going to have a vaccine? Like they're never going to have one. I know, but like you, like I think you retweeted this morning or late yesterday. There's we're seeing cases now when people who have tested positive once and and recovered, they're testing positive again. So immunity, herd immunity, is not going to save us if that's the case. No. If you can get it, if you can keep getting it over and over every time you're exposed, then then you're not getting immunity from being from having it. So, I know, uh, and I'm so afraid to get it. I am so afraid because I have really bad, I know you too, Ryan, but I have really bad lungs from, first of all, I smoked cigarettes for like the first, you know, many decades of my life. I didn't smoke a lot, but I smoked enough to cause problems. Yeah. But also I got pneumonia and it <clears throat> really messed up my lungs. And if I laugh too hard, like it's, it hurts. Like I think I have like a mild form of emphysema, I might. So, mm. you know, you can hear sometimes when I breathe, I have a hard time breathing. People always say, oh, is something wrong with her because she can't breathe? But, you know, mm. I do have lung. And, and so I'm worried that that's going to make me have a hard time breathing if I get that thing. And I just can't even imagine what that would be like. The thought of it just... No, I, I, I smoked for seven years, too. Every, every day when I was in Thailand for seven years straight, I smoked. And I when I left, I stopped. I didn't have any trouble quitting. But that seven solid years of smoking pretty heavily for mm -hmm. seven years. And, you know, Sasha, I have one. I only have one lung. Yeah. I had surgery 20 years ago that I had a lung removed. And so right. I've only got one. I've only got one lung. I can't spare it. You I don't, can't spare it. I have any extra. You've got to not catch COVID. you got to be really careful. Yeah. Yes. I know. You, that's the one thing you can't get. <laughs> And I, I feel the same way. Like, I don't want to catch it. Like, I keep thinking every day, like, oh, my God, did I get it today? But, you know, um, things are opening slowly. I just, God, this is the weirdest year in terms of the website. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of money and, and ad sales and shit like that. Like, I don't even know. People are mildly panicking in my, you know, like Jeff Wells and David Poland and people like that are just kind of like freaking out. Like, is there going to even be Oscar ads this year? No, I think it's just a lot depends on what we're talking about right now is how many of these movies are eventually released and under what circumstances. If they're if they're released in a way where only voters get to see them, then they don't have they're not making the money that would justify spending exactly. a, you know huge amounts of money on an ad campaign. This past year was really good for ads because there were so many strong contenders. And they were and big studio movies, right? The big studios are the big, ones yeah, that pay yeah. up. The, the smaller studios don't. You know, Disney would have spent a huge amount of money on West Side Story. I know. And but, we, um, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, I, it just depends on how whether they see, can see a return on the investment or not. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing is Netflix is, is built their house of bricks, so they don't have to worry about it because their model is already, they don't have to depend on theaters, right? And so now we're seeing mm -hmm. what happens if you do have to depend on theaters and how vulnerable that situation is. Like with Tenant, Tenant really needs a theater. So does Doom. Yeah. Both of them, they can't open on TV. So does West right. Side Story. West Side Story, but West Side Story is no more. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, are we looking at a year where this is Netflix's final opportunity to eventually win the Best Picture Oscar because so many other theaters are going to be, I mean, so many other studios are going to be so cost prohibitive in what they release and they Maybe. release, they don't release anything this year. I mean, it they just bypass it. It might just be it. that because it might just yeah. be that the, the weird situation that we're in overrides the stigma of them rewarding Netflix. Right. And, and it's either the to five bloods or it's mank or something like that you know whatever else netflix has coming out this year because they can you can stream it you don't you can do that in the safety of your own home right they've got hillbilly elegy is the other one they have and then i think there's one more that they God, have is going is glenn close finally going to win an oscar <laughs> and we are amy amy adams is in hillbilly hillbilly yeah. elegy too yeah, yeah. i've she's heard that both some... of them i've heard that glenn close is supporting so if she's supporting she'll win she huh. will win because you know what are they going to do deny her a supporting actress yeah. oscar win let's let's <laughs> give her an oscar so she doesn't have to go through the um we don't have to endure her making sunset boulevard no Please. but she, just... is she not going to make it she'll make it oh no she's got to win I... just one oscar god damn it one oscar yeah. supporting you know she can win that so supporting, yes. I and mean, if she makes Sunset Boulevard, the, the Twitter and film critics will eat her alive. Not her. They will eat the film alive, especially if it's Ryan Murphy. Oh, for sure. Ryan Murphy, yes. I don't know about Glenn Close, but Ryan Murphy. No, they yeah. won't eat her alive. She'll, she'll, no, they will love her and everything that she does, but yeah. it's Ryan Murphy, yes. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to edit this podcast down. We did three and a half hours of recording, and I think really we're going to publish about an hour of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, really? All right. Okay, you guys. Have a good night, okay? Sorry for yeah, thanks, you. Thanks, Sasha. You too. All right. Yeah. Talk to you later. Stay See you tomorrow. tomorrow. All right. Okay, okay bye. Bye-bye.